We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast, and this is a podcast previewing Newcastle United at Sunderland in the Weirtown Derby this Saturday in the FA Cup as Newcastle look to get their season back on track with a win. It'll be a famous win, all Derby wins, particularly they only won two of the last 13, none of the last seven, and we're going to preview the game for you on this podcast. Uh, this podcast, this preview is our every single week on our Patreon platform. We preview every single fixture like this. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear a preview of the Manchester City game and lots more podcasts beside that, come and join us on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. We have got loads and loads of Derby build-up on there for you. I'm Alex and I'm with Cy, Charlotte and Michael Martin to look at this one for you and make us the guest this week. I want to ask you first, simple question, how are you feeling ahead of this one, mate? I'm remarkably calm because I think we're, we'll beat them. Um, you know, we've got a much, much better team. Um, we're stronger than them, we're faster and we'll, we're more skillful. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just go there and win. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for coming. <laughs> good, night, good night, everyone. <laughs> I love it, Charlotte. I think, Mick, you're the perfect person to be here for this because you're calm. You've seen many, many derbies. You've seen many, many iterations of Newcastle United. And like, I'm getting myself a bit nervous about it. I'm a lot rides on this, not just because of our form, Eddie Howe, all these questions about Eddie Howe and all of that stuff. And I just, I'm getting myself a bit nervous, so I think you're the perfect person to talk me off this ledge and tell me it's all going to be fine, so. Why are you feeling like you're feeling, though? Why, why do you think that negativity has creeped in slightly compared to maybe when the, the draw was first made? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because my, it's like, it's head and heart, isn't it? It's sort of, is it? I know on paper we have a better team. We talked, we've talked about this many times. Lewis Miley, for example, would walk into the Sunderland squad at the moment. I don't even know. I know they've got like the lesser Bellingham, but I don't know who, who else plays for them. I, I couldn't tell you. I've, I've got no um, like context. I think that might be the problem. I've got no contextual sort of like um, analysis of Sunderland to kind of apply to this, apart from they're in the championship and we should beat them because they're in the championship and we're a premiership side. Premier League side who um, were in the Champions League this year. Okay, our form hasn't been wonderful, but we're still not a championship side. We're top half of the top league in the world. So, apart from the Champions League. So, I think that side of things, I'm like, of course we'll win. Of course we'll win. But then I feel like I get sucked into a trap of, of course we'll win. And then something terrible will happen because I don't deserve good things. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, uh, in Sunderland's 
famous run of six victories and like I said they're unbeaten in seven against us really the 2010s were Sunderland's decade in terms of time we are we are time derbies Newcastle dominated the 2000s to a similar extent but it doesn't really ever get talked about it didn't get talked about at the time because it's the natural order of things every time Sunderland beat Newcastle in those six fixtures they were below Newcastle in the league yeah. so does, is that definitive proof maybe that you know Charlotte and many other listeners and viewers I'm sure is kind of nerves in the build-up to this one is uh, is justified because at the end of the day, the whole purpose or the whole reason people find derbies exciting and, the, and why it's been picked for television is because form and, I don't know what the right word is, ability, could go out the window. <laughs> where, where, where are you on, on, on that spectrum? Yeah, the underdogs do win derby matches uh, more often than they do in, in regular football matches. That is true and it is, it's, it's due to the occasion and how certain players handle it and everything else. I'm dreading this. Um, you, you mentioned it already there. Um, our kind of adult supporting life started in the late 2000s and uh, the 2010s. We got to experience all the Pardew derbies as our first kind of <laughs> real derbies as adults. I was a little bit too young to appreciate it in the 90s. Yes, I was a season ticket holder as a teenager in the, in the early 2000s and saw some great wins over Sunderland, but for most of my memories of Sunderland games are dread, not good, bar the 5-1 at home on, on, um, Halloween. on Halloween uh, all those years ago. Uh, it's, it's been a, a rough old time and yet um, I'm dreading this as much as I have in, in a long time. And yes, yeah, some of those are the Derby Sunderland were below us, but we were bad. We're good here and it feels like it's going to hurt more if the worst thing happens. Um, I said at the end of the podcast on Monday about the Liverpool game, like they'll be looking at our form and there'll be, there'll be so many things that can target in terms of weaknesses in the way we play at the moment. Um, yes, they are a mid-table championship team, but Luton and Forest are basically mid-table championship teams, slightly better maybe, but we've just we've just tossed those games off. Uh, you think back to uh, Chef Wed last season, Cambridge the season before, we don't do well in third round ties against crap teams and Sunderland are a crap team. This has got banana skin written on over it and I'm just I'm dreading the occasion as much as I have... Uh, well, it's been so long, but I'm, the dread has come back because I'm so used to it. Size, negative size back. <laughs> <laughs> time listeners will, will revel in that. What I've tried to do is contextualise it. In If you take away the, the local rivalry aspect of this, if Newcastle had drawn Hull away, who I think are seventh in the championship, it, would be seen as a, it wouldn't be seen as a walkover. It wouldn't be seen as an easy game. Mm. You might see Paul Dummett. You might see Emil Kraft and Newcastle don't have options. You might see Loris Karius in that fixture. It's almost like the Derby and Newcastle's recent woes don't allow how that flexibility to, to to make changes for this one. And that's the thing about the two fixtures you've mentioned. You know, Cambridge was 100 years ago now in terms of how it feels <laughs> like and what we've been through since. But Jacob Murphy played up front by himself that day. Um, I mean, Cambridge was so bad they went out and signed Chris Wood, <laughs> who the following season at Sheffield Wednesday cost us the game <laughs> by being rotated into that one and, um, and and missing chances, easy chances, which, uh, you know, he looked like a different player the other week at St. James's Park, which is a shame. But I do just feel like those two fixtures, are, you're right to bring them up, but I do just feel like it, we're dealing with a different beast here. Simon Bird today did an article in the Mirror where he said Bruno Gamarage's wage is more than the entire Sunderland either first team or squad, but I can't imagine there's loads below the first team in terms of wage demands at Sunderland uh, at the level they're at. And, you know, Sunderland's squad cost less than one third of, or one quarter of Alexander Isak. With those figures in context, um, banana skin is one word for it, Sai. But you just have to, my, my thought is, 
this game is a big game for Newcastle United, but it's kind of a big game for Newcastle United because we need to win the FA Cup. That's the biggest part of it. Now, that's not the reality. Of course, it's not. It's not why you're watching this. It's not why you're listening to this. But if Newcastle's management team and players can get anything close to the best out of their lads, there isn't actually anything someone can do for this one. And I, and I take you back, Si, to those derbies. And I was at every single one of those six fixtures home and away, sadly for me. <laughs> but there wasn't many of those games where, where you looked at Sunderland's squad and thought, we love them. Oh, I wish he played for us. Maybe Jermaine Defoe, maybe, maybe but, but even then, you know. We, I suppose, the, the point I'm getting at is I think Newcastle fans are more nervous about this one because we've been in this position before. Okay, there hasn't been the gulf in quality between the two sides, but we have always gone into this fixture in modern history, apart from maybe Halloween 2010 when Sunderland went in they were going to qualify for the Champions League. Steve Bruce was the <laughs> next big thing and we pumped them 5-1. We have more experience than most of of being the better side and getting turned over. And I suppose that's the fascinating thing about this to the outsider is that it, Newcastle just shouldn't lose this fixture, but they might. Yeah. Does that make us the underdog? Because then, <laughs> then it's okay. If we're the underdog, <laughs> yeah. then it's okay. No, not on paper. You're never going to get away with that, are you? You've all said it already. We were playing Champions League football less than a month ago. That that can't be forgotten. Realistically, this is a game we should be battering them. We should absolutely be battering them. And I think there's a there's a double positive to be got from that. Is that if we sort ourselves out for this game, which will be a tough game against the Sunderland team, we'll be very up for it. And you know they're doing all right. They've had a little bit of a new manager bounce. Um, if we sort ourselves out and win this game, it sets us up nicely. It's not like you know you can beat a, a League Two side in the FA Cup when everything's going terribly in the league. It doesn't really change what's happening in the league. Whereas if we beat Sunderland at, on Saturday. I then go to the Man City game the following week thinking, actually, we're, we're, we're back on track here. I think if we can get a good... It's going to take a good, proper Eddie Howe, Newcastle United performance to win this game. And if we get it, I'm then thinking and looking up again. We'll leave it there for part one of the show. Some adverts coming up. If you want to listen to this podcast without the adverts, join us on Patreon. It's £3 a month. Link in the description of the podcast. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We'll start part two of the show then, looking at the team. Who does Eddie Howe pick? How does he play them? Uh, Sai, Craig Hope, when he did our True Faith live event at the stand. And I've just forgotten which is what we were supposed to introduce there. Should we just yeah, yeah, start cut again. this out? Yeah, yeah, cut this out. You just go. Okay. Before we start part two of the podcast, a um, little PSA from me. We are going to be doing a live show at Gosford Civic Theatre on the 16th of February. That's a little Valentine's treat for yourself. Um, it's a Friday night. It's the night before the Bournemouth game. And uh, it's going to be slightly different format to how we normally do our shows. We're not going to have a panel of journalists this time. It's going to be a lot more interactive. It's going to be uh, a rotating sort of panel of your true faith favorites. So please do uh, consider coming down and joining us. It should be a really, really fun night. Obviously, the bar will be open and uh, we can look forward to the Bournemouth game. Tickets will be at the link in the description to this podcast. We'll start part two of the show, Sai, by looking at who Eddie Howe should pick and how he should play them. And at the True Faith Live event, the last one, uh, with the journalists on stage, there was a lot of talk about playing the playing the Geordies and a great opportunity to kind of get Paul Dummett in and those kind of lads. Is the situation changed for you now? Um, I, I was never in, in agreement that Paul, <laughs> Paul Dummett should be starting this game. I, I've got nothing against Paul Dummett. He's absolutely fine in those League Cup games during the season, but... I wouldn't just be throwing him in for the derby. That just seems like a really silly thing to do. Um, I'm sure he understands the fixture, but you know, Paul Dummett getting his ass kicked by by Sunderland players who've been playing week in week out. It just doesn't seem like a like a good idea. It kind of worked against Man City, who rotated the team a bit in, in a much much lower. So I don't. Yeah, sorry, I probably represented it as they all wanted Dummett in the team, but it's the idea, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, of play the Geordies. Yeah, no, I was going to go through this. So yeah, yeah I personally wouldn't play Miley either. Um, I think a 17 year old kid again throwing him into a derby. When he's played probably a little bit too much football in the last uh, couple of months, I would 100% go back to uh, Joe Linton, Bruno. I'd keep Longstaff in in the midfield. I think, you know, if they've been watching Newcastle in the last six weeks, that midfield has been lightweight. The ball, it's been so easy to cut through us. You need the three kind of strongest midfielders we've got available to to kind of bolster that up and make sure that we don't leave those kind of gaps to to find ourselves behind in the game. Um, so Geordie wise, that's probably the only one I'd have in the team in in, in Sean Longstaff. Um, no burn. No burn. Well, I was I was listening to actually I was listening to uh, whatever they call it, Total Sport, Radio Newcastle on the way in, and there was a Sunderland fan on saying that they've got the best two wingers in the league. Now <laughs> I don't know who they are. Some somebody Roberts and somebody Park or something. I don't I, I don't know who they are, but <laughs> they did say that they've got some pacey wingers and Dan Burn against pacey wingers hasn't been working out well. So if Trippier's fit, he's I'd not. Pro- he's not fit. Well, he, well, might, he might be. He might. If, be if Trippier's fit, I would play Trippier and um, Tino. If if it's Livermore at right back, I could probably trust Dan Burn against the Mackams. Let's be honest, but. Um, I'd be, I'd, I'd say Trippi and Tino are our best two fullbacks. Let's just pay our best team. The Geordie thing's a nice idea, and I'm sure Dan Burns desperate playing this fixture. But his form's gone off a cliff. He's, he's under a lot of fire from Newcastle fans, and if it goes badly here, what happens to his career then? I don't know. It's, I'll, I'll be, I'd be reticent to play him. But I, you know, you're all grimacing at me, so I'm happy to hear some alternate I, views. I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like Dan Burn has almost been rushed back because of this fixture. Hmm. I feel like we drew Sunderland, and he was like. Fuck my back. I have to I have to play in that fixture. I have to get some game time and I have to play. That's so important to me. But it is important that we win. And it's a it's a it's a mix it's toss-up for me. Like, is it better to play the Geordies who are kind of invested in this and this means a lot? Or is it better to play 
the potentially better footballers who aren't as as invested mentally in this game and just see it as a cup win understand the context of the of the local sort of derby etc but aren't like didn't grow up here and aren't quite as bothered like a, a kind of air on that side um I don't know what if crafts fit like do, do you do you throw a craft into that team instead of like, that, that's another question instead of being I like the idea that he's just been so reticent to use Kraft. After Kraft came in, it was the Fulham game, wasn't it, where Trippier was out and he was brilliant. And then he just, he got in, he played against Chelsea and played well, he got injured, but he's been on the bench since Luton and he just hasn't, you know, like you say, Forrest at home, even though Trippier was fit, it just seemed the perfect time to bring in either Kraft or um, Livermento at left back. I think that he'll, you know, Charlotte, for those watching YouTube, Charlotte's wearing the hoodie that we made and, in kind of tribute to that back four up five. No, just the four, left Nick just Pope four. out of it. Sorry, and Nick. Yeah, and I just think a lot of people, including ourselves, speculating, okay, why against Nottingham Forest has gone with this back four? Why has he done the same thing, even though Trippier was out against um, against Liverpool? And I just think he just trusts them. Mm. There's also the factor, and this is, we do need to talk about the rest of the team, but there's also the factor that I want to bring you in on, Mick, is that if Danburn comes in, it, it's a defence from set-pieces. You think set-pieces would be important for Sunderland. I know they're not a big physical team who rely on set-pieces to score, but it gives us an, an attacking threat. In theory, we scored from a corner for the first time in a long time uh, against Liverpool, and, and, and you might think Danburn provides a lot more than having two small full-backs. I, 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 my view is is that, I don't look at it as a Geordie, non-Geordie thing, but it, I suppose it may give us a bit of an edge in, in some degree. I just want to big strong lads playing on mm. on Saturday because I don't think they're that well I think they're pretty lightweight to be honest what I know of them and like like Charlotte I don't know the names of the players and you know and uh, you know couldn't tell you who the goalie is and and that's that's <laughs> you know I'm saying that and that's a fact because in the past I would have been able to name most of the team um etc I might not not known you know how they played etc but I wouldn't I would at least known them and now I don't but from what I can gather they're pretty lightweight but they do play decent football. They pass, they pass the ball around. <laughs> now, we've got big, strong lads who potentially could bully them, couldn't we? You know, that you like, say, your Botman, Joe Linton, mm. Dan Byrne, who I think should play uh, on, on Saturday because I think um, stories of his demise are greatly exaggerated, in my opinion. And he's done all right against, uh, against some tough players like, you know, Salah on. Uh, the other night, I think he was okay against him, and he'll certainly not face anything anybody like him. And, and traditionally, if you remember last this time last year, Saka at Arsenal, I think he was exceptional against him, so he should be fine. And, and I also think how we'll want some experienced lads on the on the park. Who mm. um, uh, that's why I'm kind of sympathetic to the position of, about Miley. I'm not uh, sure about him, but because uh, I do think he's drifted out of games as well as. You know, look good when he's been on the ball, as you'd expect from a seventeen-year-old lad. So, so my view is is that play the big lads, and basically kick shit out of them, win the phys- win the physical battles, and then uh, and then score some goals, and let's all go home. Sunderland, the, the the point you just made, Si, about Sunderland having two of the best wings in the league, it's a perfect example, isn't it, of what Sunderland are up against this fixture? Because that's fine, I'm sure. I don't doubt it. And, and good luck to those lads if they are the two best wings in the league. I can't imagine them be at Sunderland long, but. Ultimately, we play against lads every single week who couldn't be considered in the same class as the two best wingers in the championship, if they were any good, even though they might be young-ish. Um, 
they would be playing for a Premier League club, and and that's I suppose that's how Newcastle they need they need to respect the fixture. How needs to mm. to understand it. Um, he, he you know he didn't have a you know a brilliant derby record. Bournemouth, but Bournemouth totally different and different derbies. You know some could argue with it. They, they're not in the same league as this derby in the same size. But I think your point make is interesting, and and it's almost a reversal, isn't it, from when we used to play them and. It was how how often did someone like Lee Cantonwell basically commit a red card challenge within the first ninety seconds of a game? Exactly. Get away with it because it was the first ninety seconds of the game. And then that set the tone about who was gonna dominate who. We had the big French contingent and I remember the one game and to be fair to Alan Pardew, bit of honesty from him here, when he talks about big regrets, he talks about that thirteen fourteen season where we'll go to the stadium of light and we've got off the top of my head Matthew Debucci, Colaccini, David Santon, Sissoko, Ben Arthur, Loic Remy in the side, and we got beat 2-1. And he just said that that wasn't acceptable from the calibre and quality of those players to basically get outfought and outmuscled and outran by inferior players. For the reasons you say, I'm sure Sunderland's players are going to put everything into this. You know, it, For many of them, it will be the first time you know they've, they've been anywhere near a sellout at the Stadium of Light, maybe the playoff last year, I don't know. Um, so it's going to be a huge occasion for that squad, that manager, new manager Michael Beale. You know, all I've got to go for Michael Beale is the opinion of Rangers fans, and it's not a good, it's not, <laughs> it's not a good opinion. And it just, it just feels like I'm, I'm more confident for the reasons you say, Mick, that Joe Litton in particular. And there are some people calling for him, for him to be captain, but it's neither here nor there to me. I think he's a captain, regardless whether he's wearing the armband or not. These are lads who. Who play in the Maracanã? Who, you know, who who've played at World Cups? They're not going to be overawed. Maybe like some of the lads previously who've played for us, they're not going to be over overawed by the Championship's two best wingers, and, and whoever whoever else plays for them. <laughs> they're not going to walk in like they did at the San Siro and be like, "Wow, yeah. <laughs> look at this place." It's just not going to happen. You're right. I think that's a really good point. Psychologically, these players are like mm, this place really. I don't know, you have also just explained how some of the best players we had under Pardew didn't rise to the occasion. They were maybe overwhelmed by what, what happens at the stadium like because the it's the only time you hear that stadium rocking is when, when we turn up. Um oh, that you said, know, very, very, well. very harsh on Beyonce and Yeah, that's true. Um although that game was won by a free kick, wasn't it? I was there with you on that one. Um, was that the Kieran Richardson two one? No, 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 was no, no you're, you're way out. Am I? Okay. <laughs> you're, right. uh, if you if, if you must know it was the Fabio Barini ah, uh, yeah, screamer. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the, the, they kind of bullied Newcastle at Newcastle as well. Where, yeah. You know, and I, I remember being absolutely outraged by Hatton Ben Arthur, who was a supremely talented footballer, when he put his head in the right place, Sissoko just disappearing. And the likes of Catamol, he even bullied Czech Teodi out of the, out of the game. Um, up here and down there, if, if memory serves, and Teodi got sent off one year, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, down there, yeah. Uh, so it's just, you know, so I, I look at our lads and like Bruno Gomares, I, I can't imagine him being wanting on, on Saturday. He's a key player for us, him. Um, they'll, they'll have never played against a player of his, of his quality. And the way he moves around the ball and draws fouls, etc. they're going to, you know, I just don't think they'll be able to, to deal with him. Yeah, the one thing I hope you're absolutely right about the fact that this isn't the kind of the hard Sunderland you're going to kick us up the arse yeah. and foul yeah. us loads because if they do that to Joe Linton and, and uh, Bruno in particular, 
in the last few weeks you've seen signs of frustration in them and they're, they're the perfect candidates for a silly red card in a game where it would absolutely kill us. So mm. I hope you're right. I hope they're not as physical and, and ridiculous as they were during those periods under how it's, many managers they went through at the time as well. It's a big ask though for little Jack Clark to get in Drillington's face. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you, you are, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying Drillington would do anything, but it's like, if, if you want to go up against a big, hard, physical bloke like that, when you're a scrawny winger or midfielder or whoever plays for them, you are risking plenty if it goes wrong. <laughs> That's um, true. Uh, one of the things I think we should talk about is is Newcastle's recent woes, particularly as we've talked about on this podcast, being wide open in midfield, being easy to create chances against. Sunderland in the championship create lots of chances. They don't finish them. They've got an issue. I think they've got the first goal from a striker on Monday against Preston. And so Sunderland create lots of chances. Like you say, Mick, they're considered to play good football. They're an easy t- team to watch on the eye. But I do feel that Newcastle's issues are because even the likes of Nottingham Forest gamble, and Liverpool did this and it's less of a gamble, they leave three up against our four. Uh, and that means that the back four can't squeeze up as high. It means that there's big gaps between the lines. I'm not sure Sunderland, and I could be completely wrong because I don't watch Sunderland, so I don't know. That would be a big gamble for Sunderland. If they're going to want to leave three up in possession or even out of possession, against our back line, they're going to leave some huge gaps for some very good footballers if we can transition against them. I don't know. We, don't, we, we do have a Sunderland fan coming on Patreon to tell us about them um, tonight. So I'll listen to that and, and find out a little bit about them. But I just well, the point I'm trying to get, and tell me if I'm wrong, tell me if I'm right, um, I think the, the things that Premier League teams have worked out against this iteration of Newcastle, the tired Newcastle, the too many, too many sprints Newcastle, the not enough changes Newcastle, I think it would be a huge, huge gamble for Sunderland and this manager who's just a few games into the job to try and replicate what those Premier League sides replicate because if it goes wrong and what every Sunderland fan or most Sunderland fans were worried about, I think, when this fixture came out wasn't getting beat particularly because really they've got bigger fish to fry than this fixture this season. They need to get out of the league. They just didn't want to get humiliated. Mm. And, and, And like you said, in terms of this being a transformative fixture for us, it could equally be a transformative fixture for Sunderland if they get turned over by several goals and it's humiliating with 6,000 Newcastle fans there, I just I just don't think Beal is going to take those kind of risks that, for example, are Nottingham Forest and Luton took mm. against Newcastle. Thoughts? I think you're right. You said to agree with you if, <laughs> if we agreed. No, I, I think that's fairly emphatic and it makes sense. I, I, I think sacking Mowbray and bringing a new manager in just before this, it, for me, it almost feels like this, the cup isn't, important to Sunderland fans right it, it, like the 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 way the timing of that didn't suggest to me that they're like we've got to get someone that would have been done earlier or it would have done after the fixture if they really really cared about this I don't think that I don't think it was a like a bounce they were they were banking on if you ask any Sunderland fan as soon as the draw came out though they would say, fuck the championship. It just, the mags is all that matters now. I'm pretty sure is what most of them would say. Yeah, oh, yeah. This, fa- this is- fa- fans wise, you're right. I'm talking yeah. about club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be- yeah that's Beale, what I mean. If, if Beale gets the, if Beale's nowhere near the playoffs at the end of the season, they're not going to keep on. He's got the fourth round of the yeah. FA Cup. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just not going to happen. In fact, this is one of the things about six in a row and why it doesn't really hurt as Newcastle fan, though it hurt at the time being at the fixtures, is it massively contributed towards Sunderland's demise because when Gus Poye took the job and he's told this anecdote since, he was told, uh, just beat Newcastle twice and the rest will be okay. And that, that created this <laughs> mental so situation where games. it wasn't okay and it was, you know, patching up huge financial losses that were unsustainable and they ended up having back-to-back relegations. 
I don't think Sunderland owners are going to be as, as blase about. I'm sure they want to win, but I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it's. It, I think that for Sunderland this season, the FA Cup fourth round, if you want to call it that, isn't as important as getting promoted. Doesn't mean their fans and their players and their manager are going to be right up for this one and give it everything they've got. But you know, I think the FA Cup is way more important to Newcastle this season than Sunderland for obvious reasons. And I suppose I, I saw a good tweet today on the timeline that someone said if Newcastle had drawn. Carlisle United at home in the third round. I've got no idea if they're still in the FA Cup or not, but Carlisle United in the third round, St James's Park would be full. Mm. If Sunderland had drawn Carlisle United, they'd been lucky to draw 15,000 fans. Yeah. That's where the two two clubs are in that position. Really quickly then on the team, so Sai, I assume with dropping Miley, you mean Megalon Moron comes back in? Yeah, um, he has to uh, based on that decision. But yeah, I think if you've got a team with Isaac and Gordon um, up in the front three, maybe may, may you be fine against Sunderland. He really should be, but... Um, Isaac and Gordon combined to score a really, really good goal at Liverpool, uh, you know, uh, three days ago. So I can see them doing some real damage to Sunderland just if they're just playing like 50% of their game. So honestly, if, if, we, if they turn up, and I, I don't doubt that they will, Miggy can even contribute. To, one thing he's good at is, is if we're playing well and if we're creating, he will be in the box. He'll be there to, to, to sweep up chances as he did against Fulham. You know, he, he, he can still pounce on those. He's not got a lot of confidence at the moment. Play against the Mackhams, that'll give you some confidence, hopefully. But yeah, 100% um, maybe it would have to come in. But I, uh, this isn't, wasn't meant to be a, a dig at Miley. Like, like Mick says, it's, he, I've worried about him the last few weeks because he's, he's, he's stopped to drift out of games a little bit and we're losing with him in the side and it can't be doing his confidence any good. And ultimately, he's a great player on the ball and we haven't had a lot of it in, in recent weeks. You know, we, we've been the, the team under the caution. It's not suited him. So like Mick says, get the big lads back in. Trust Gordon and um, Isaac to be able to do the job in terms of creating and scoring the goals. Miggy's there as well. Agreement. Disagreement. Yeah, by and large. I mean, when when uh, Sai was talking there, I was thinking about Miley, and I was thinking, well, we're going to have a lot of the ball on uh, mm. on on Saturday, so that's when he works best, isn't he's, it? He's when, on the bench for he, sure. He, you know, you know, he's a good passer of the ball, so he might start. Uh, my thing, my key thing is is getting Isaac into the game, yeah. because I absolutely love that that player, but sometimes I think he's he's kind of he's out of the game too much because yeah. we can't get the ball to him for several different reasons. I think the key players are Isaac and Gordon. And if we can get them firing and if we can get Isaac into the, into the game and we'll have a lot of possession and um, then, then I think there's goals in us. If we, if we, I, I, I hear what Alex says about how they set up. I actually think they know they're not going to have a lot of the ball. Uh, and I think they might sit deep and I think they might wait for us to come onto them and then their plan might be to try and nick a goal. I th- they're a bit, they remind me a bit of us under Steve Bruce perhaps playing Arsenal. You know, uh, seriously enough, and that's not being patronising, we're in the same division as Arsenal then. They're not, they're way below us. Mm. Um, so I, I think it might be horses for courses. I can, I can see Miley starting and I can see him on the bench. Uh, I think Longstaff needs to have a game. He's due a good game. Yep. He hasn't been on it late, uh, lately. But Joe Linton and Bruno are going to be absolutely critical, as will Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne, diving header in front of the North Stand with us in it. Who could, who could ask anymore? What unites, what do these clubs have in common? Um, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, Ipswich, Coventry. They've all beat the Markhams at all. They've all won at the stadium alike this season. It is not the impossible job by any means. Middlesbrough <laughs> went there, won by four goals to nil, albeit against ten men. But, you know, the, the, this is not the impossible job. So, and I think they've had a couple of good home results. They beat Leeds. They beat Southampton by four, five goals to nil when Southampton were going through a bit of a tough patch, but it was a good result. Uh, they are capable. We're not playing 
you know, we're not playing one of the worst teams in the championship here. We're playing a good side at that level. I come back to it and make you right about Alexander Isak. If we can get our good players the ball in Sunderland's final third, Sunderland will not be able to cope with that. What we don't want to do is get drawn into a niggly, mm. foully, 100%. slow game that allowed Sunderland to get there. Sunderland will want to get to 30. They'll want to get to 60. They'll want to get to 75. Yeah. Still in the game and where Sunderland possibly will have an advantage over Newcastle is particularly if Miguel Almiron starts high, they'll have players that can change the bench from their change the game from their perspective from the bench. Whereas if Almiron starts for us, we'll have we'll have nothing. We'll have absolutely nothing due to Wilson's injury. We have no attacking players yeah. who can come on. And that again is slightly as we're going to every game at the minute, that's the concern for me that the longer the game remains nil nil, the better it is for any opponent that will play because they can look what Liverpool did as soon as Newcastle kind of feel like they're getting back in the game, they get an equaliser, five players from Liverpool who would all walk into Newcastle's team and, and change the game. Now, that's not the, the same for this fixture, but it, but it is like a game management aspect that we need to see from our players. Do what Liverpool did to us. Start, start so fast that they can't get out of their own half. Make the fans quiet. Like, Newcastle haven't played many derbies. They've gone to... They've gone to some big grounds and put in good performances, but they're yet to kind of pick up a win under Howe at a ground that you almost expect them to get beat at. He hasn't managed to do that. We came close at Chelsea. We came close at PSG. We came close at Old Trafford last season. Uh, we came close at Liverpool last season, but we haven't actually done it. And I just feel game management in those fixtures was a part of that. And again, it's another big question for Newcastle and how to answer this weekend is can they manage the occasion and manage the game? Because if you let Sunderland dictate the game, the ball just won't. And it's not. This isn't. It's not even a dig at Sunderland. I'm not trying to say Sunderland. Are, Sunderland should do what they need to do to win the game. And if they're dirty and if they slow the game down and if they make it a, a, a drawn out game that goes on as long as possible, and they'll, they'll fair play to them. Newcastle need to avoid that and do what we're good at, and that's play at a high tempo. We'll leave it there for part two of the show. Back with you after this in part three. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In part three of the show, we're going to talk about a little bit where this fixture may leave Newcastle success or failure. There's also the the very real prospect of a draw. I don't really see any, anyone talk about that, a draw and a replay, get them back to St. James's. And I suppose what Newcastle want at the minute is less fixtures, but it'd be better than a defeat. And also Newcastle are very, very strong at home compared to their away form. And the away form is, is the big concern with this one. And Charlotte, I don't want to do too many what ifs based on scenarios we don't want to happen, but where Newcastle are seven defeats and eight out of the Champions League, out of the League Cup, seemingly out of the top four race, but that could change uh, with a good January and a good February. How 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 much is your um, how much is your thinking of this fixture based on oh no, 
if we lose the noise against Howard? Like, could it turn the fans against him if he gets beat? Um, depends on the manner of defeat, always, I think. Um, if it's like a mad penalty shout and the like, it's, it's the kind of, you can stick it on the ref a little bit and we've been really good. I don't necessarily think so. But um, I kind of, I, ju- I kind of just don't even want to, you know, you find yourself getting like het up about something that hasn't happened yet, um, and and yeah, you kind of have to prepare mentally for every eventuality or many eventualities. Every, if you have anxiety like I do, <laughs> prepare your mind for everything that could possibly happen. But I also really want to kind of shy away from that because right now, what this team needs is support. Like it needs. It needs a wall of sound behind it. This is an absolutely massive fixture, not because it's Sunderland, but because it's we're still, it was still in a cup. And it's a cup that, that would see us in, in a European competition next year where, where, where we end up this season in the, in the league might not. And it's a chance to win something where we haven't in 60-odd years or whatever more, I think, probably. I lose count. Not in my lifetime. And, and it's and it's it's such a big opportunity so I just kind of really I'm trying really hard to like just look at Saturday quarter to one or 1 p.m or half past one not Saturday at 5 p.m if something's gone horribly wrong and people are calling for because because social media will be loud if we haven't put in a good performance and Sunderland have turned us over if social media will be loud and people People are already questioning Eddie Howe. We did a whole podcast on Patreon about like sort of those questions and what do they mean and how valid are they. They will become more valid and I think that they will become louder if something goes wrong on Saturday. But I don't even want to think about it. I just want to get behind the team. I just want to say this team is mint. Sunderland is not. We can beat them. Let's just get behind them. I think there's two massively big deal big i'll start that sentence again there are two problems with losing this fixture one obviously losing at the Magnums for the first time in six seven how many years eight, within league eight. two um yeah. eight years but yeah um that's yeah. last time we played them Lo- losing the Magnums, it will lose a lot of credit in the bank that, that eddie howe and the players have got now again i'm not saying i i'd necessarily subscribe to that charlotte's right it depends on the man of the defeat um if, if we get embarrassed here it, it will be hard very hard for him to recover from um as you said earlier, though, I think the FA Cup represents one of our last chances of success this season and going out the FA Cup in the third round, having just dropped out of the other two competitions, would be just as bad for Howe and his position at the club and the players. It kills the season. It absolutely kills the season. Um, we've got some tough games ahead. It will be like 20 points off the top four by the end of January, likely, you know, based on the, the Man City and, and the unbelievable Villa team would have to go and try and get something from. So... The FA Cup's really important. I think if we can win this game, like we did in the League Cup, we can beat anyone, you know, at, at, at any ground, in theory, to, to go on a cup run. And I've always subscribed to the fact that a cup run can inject some energy into your season rather than it being a distraction. Like Ashley had us believe for so many years that it's not worth playing the Cups because it'll detriment your league form. I very much doubt that. I think if we got start winning cup games, you'd see a, a bounce in the league as well. So I think this game's as important just for getting through the FA Cup as it is for beating the Magnums. But again, I'm not saying that Howe should be under pressure, but the questions that have already started to be asked, as Charlotte says, will get very, very loud, not just from supporters. And there are some supporters, and I, I said this about Magnums, but there's plenty of Newcastle supporters to which this game now has become the most important part of our season. If we lose it, some of those will you know, find it hard to recover from that. And um, yeah, I just think 
given that we're, we're past the halfway point in the league, losing this fixture and getting everyone into that kind of negative place, it's going to be really, really hard to turn the season around in any way that would that would make up for kind of all the things that have gone wrong. And we all know a lot of the mitigations for how we are where we are, all the, the injuries and everything else that's happened up to this point. We've had a really unlucky season in many ways. Um, but to lose to Sunderland, who are a league below us, and you know, an opportunity, another opportunity goes begging. I think it could really, really affect where things go. That, that's what makes me no, more, most nervous about this fixture. I'm nervous because of what what the result is if we don't win the game. And that's that's normal. That's what a lot of fans going to all be worried about mm. if it if it goes wrong. I like I like the idea of this being transformative for Newcastle. It's hard to make a case Newcastle can go to Aston Villa and win if mm. they can't go to Sunderland and win. It's hard to make a case Newcastle beat Manchester City if they can't beat Sunderland. But I also love Sai your reference to the highlight away performance of this season or the highlight performance did come in the in the cup competition. Newcastle go to Old Trafford against a pretty strong Man United side and play them off the pitch and win comfortably despite many changes, despite Emil Kraft, despite Paul Dummett. They can go to Sunderland and win. They should go to Sunderland and win. And, you know, we haven't touched on loads that the um, fan arrangements for this, but there are 6,000 Newcastle fans. The whole of an end behind the goal. I'm not saying it's going to be like a home game. That would be ridiculous, but it's not like, it's not a typical away game. Not a typical away game to have the whole stand up around lower tier behind a goal. That should that should give the lads a, a huge boost. And the fallout from Sunderland fans who were weirdly were upset about home fans having to move for the fixture, even though every single club has to do that for FA Cup fixtures. Um, they're not right. They're wrong. But, <laughs> but, but I understand. Standard. I can understand their frustration because to win the fixture, Sunderland needed all four sides of that mm. ground on the backs of our players. Instead, Newcastle have got a whole end behind the goal that will be sucking the ball in. Yeah. And that that could be important. And, you know, there's there's concerns for me about the way Newcastle have been playing. There's concerns about not being able to change the game from the bench, but not as big as the concerns are from Sunderland about Newcastle's players. Nowhere near as big as, the, as those concerns. And we, we play Man City 5.30 uh, a week Saturday. And if we can win this game and possibly win it handsomely, we'll bounce into that fixture. Wheel about that those players will be returning heroes. This is a chance for them to to write their name into the the, the genuine stories of, of Newcastle United. They've done that already with Champions League qualification, some of the performances against those teams. And despite Newcastle's recent woes, I feel like PSG really struggled to to cope with an unformed Newcastle United. AC Milan, for large parts in that game, really struggled with Newcastle United. Borussia Dortmund were, were involved in a brilliant game at St James's Park, one for the neutral end to end. We came out on the wrong side. But they, they knew they'd been in the game and they really celebrated that win and it was kind of transformative for them in the Champions League. Mm. We're a good side. You know, we've, we've, we've got our issues and there's there's all sorts of conversations about Eddie Howe, tactics, players picking him over him. Newcastle are a good side. They're a much better side than Sunderland and they should win this fixture. And you're right, Charlotte, and you're right, Si, about kind of worrying about worst-case scenarios. It's natural. It's, it's, if you didn't, it wouldn't be an important fixture. It wouldn't be a derby game. But I just feel like I feel like the pressure within the club won't be as big because PIF, no one hit the panic button when Newcastle lost at Cambridge. When Newcastle went out to Sheffield Wednesday last year, I don't think it affected any house position. Now they were doing very well in the league at the time. I just don't think that the that not being as successful as we'd like in this fixture will change the overall picture with the people that actually run the club. You know, PIF, the only Newcastle United, <laughs> there'll be wanting Newcastle United to do well and they want Newcastle to do well in the FA Cup. I don't think when they come in with a list of objectives for the season or for the football club, beating a, a championship Sunderland is particularly close to their top 100 most important things that they want to do at Newcastle United. So 
I think that lack of pressure from above will help Howe in a way that his predecessors who struggled in these fixtures felt that pressure massively because there was nothing else to play for for Newcastle apart from these fixtures, just as there wasn't for Sunderland and that aided Sunderland. So I'm really confident that we'll win the game. I think we'll win the game quite comfortably. Same as Mick. Mick, I should come to you then. No, I'm, I'm still confident. I mean, your, your, your question was, what would the implications be for Howe if you know everything went uh, pear-shaped? Um he would get loads of criticism, and he'd be, and the criticism would be justified, uh, because we'd be going to the home of our traditional regional rivals and losing, and we know um, the the dice is stacked in our favour because of the players that we've got. So, if we were to go there and lose, they'd be they'd be rightly slaughtered. Every single player would be slaughtered, and there wouldn't be allowed to forget about it by us as as fans. So. You know that that comes with the with the territory. What I find interesting is what's going on in the press at the minute about uh, about Eddie Howe, and and obviously there's some uh, journalists. I just uh, I can't even be bothered to read them because their agenda is so transparent, and I'm not even going to mention them because I think the the um, the buzz off getting mentioned by idiots like me and <laughs> and, and, and others. I think that's that's part of the game. Uh, and as a whole newspaper that's obsessed to, obsessed about us and bends everything out of shape, etc. But I, I, I also think within that, there is a curiosity amongst some of the journalists to see how Piff would react when things go badly. Um, because it hasn't so far. It's been two years of an, of an incredible journey where they've gone from being nailed on for relegation to qualifying for the Champions League. And then we've settled down. And personally, I think they're getting the season that they thought they were going to get mm. uh, because of um, because of the summer transfer window, which was has turned out to be a bit non-event. Uh, and so many players that are there that he doesn't want to use, justifiably in my opinion, because I think they're way past their, their, their uh, shelf life. Um, but long way around to answer your question, Alex. Um, am I confident? I absolutely am, mainly because of the attitude of the players. They're not playing Cambridge United at home where Cambridge, you know, bloody hell, can't be hooking people that with this. And Sheffield Wednesday, oh, I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm injured. <coughs> awesome. ASM. <laughs> um, and um, uh, and I, I'm going to toss it off. Actually, they're excited about playing in this fixture. I think that you've seen that in their footage. So I think we'll go there with the right attitude. And frankly, we should expect them to win. Um, that's where we are. That's the bar. I don't think we should be frightened about saying that we should go to Sunderland and, and beat them. And you know, I don't think it'll be comfortable. I think we'll have to win and play the game hard. Mm. But we've got everything to beat to to beat them. And as I agree a hundred percent with Alex, I think we will suck the energy out of the ground. Our support there, and we'll uh, and I think the support the away support six thousand of us in the away end. Is going to be great because uh, I was at Old Trafford for that three 0 game, and the away the away end was exceptional, absolutely fantastic, and it'll be even better on on Saturday. So, yeah, we're coming, Sunderland, we're coming. <laughs> Brilliant! Thanks so much for listening and watching. Uh, join us on Patreon if you like what we do. We'd love to have you along as we build up to this one. We've got loads of. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.